Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights in B2B marketing. One of the strongest, most traditional tactics have been investing in events, either through sponsorships, through thought leadership presentations, exhibition space. This has been a very common, a traditional part of that mix, but the world has certainly changed over the past couple of years. And Events, the world of events is really changing right before our eyes. This new form of event known as hybrid, where you're combining an in-person experience with virtual elements has really taken the marketing world by storm. And looking at some recent research on this, a Markletic survey of 3,000 professionals shows that more than a third, 34% of event organizers say they expect to invest more in these hybrid events in the next few years. And 86% of B2B organizations report seeing a positive return on investment in their hybrid events just seven months after the event date. So what does all this mean for leaders looking to get the most impact from their marketing strategies incorporating the new world of events? Well, I'm excited to have a real expert joining me today to help sort out what's going on here. What are these exciting new opportunities? Brianna Haig is Director of Demand Generation at Hoppin, where she was the third marketing hire. She currently leads the demand generation team there. She's the ultimate marketer to marketers, and her team uses multiple levers to drive demand and revenue at Hoppin. And this includes hosting a variety of in-person, hybrid, and virtual experiences. Prior to Hoppin, she spent time at Eventbrite, Yelp, and most recently led the global events and field marketing team at Hired. So Brianna knows what is happening and is right in the midst of this evolution. And I can't wait to jump in and talk to her about it. Brianna, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's great to be here. So you have this very interesting marketing background. I'd like to go back to the beginning and understand what originally inspired you to focus your career path around this transforming before our eyes world of events? Yeah, I think that events have always kind of been a passion of mine. I started my career, as you mentioned at Yelp, I was on the sales team and I was just always bringing people together in different different interesting ways. So whether that was hosting dinner parties or, you know, renting a boat and getting all of my favorite people together for some sort of excuse that I made to throw, throw an event. Um, that was kind of what, what initially piqued my interest in getting into marketing and getting into a function within marketing that throws events and creates experiences that drive impact on the business. And I spent four years at Eventbrite where, um, I started when there were probably about 35 people at the company in 2010. And it was really exciting to see how Eventbrite grew over the four years that I was there and then well beyond, um, my time that was there. But, um, I just, I, I love the experience that experience creators can create and the opportunity on, you know, on, on in B2B side, it's driving impact and, and seeing business results. But um, it's really great when you, you know, put all of the hard work and the blood, sweat and tears in creating an event and see, you know, the results and, and how, you know, 
great people feel and, um, you know, the things that you can, you know, do and drive when you put together a really great experience. It's just really cool. So I've, I've been um, lucky in my career to have a number of different functions where events have kind of been part of the cor- cornerstone of driving business impact from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. So when you were sharing that story, Brianna, I was thinking of connector. That's really what you are, right? At the end of the day and creating these experiences and bringing the people together. Yeah, I that's that's one reason I love a good dinner party. We have a lot of field marketing dinners where we bring together customers and prospects and people that are on our team that are looking to build relationships. And I think that um, those are always really great events because of the connections that happen in person. And something that I just think is so interesting, and I know that we'll get into it, is the types of connections that you can create in all of the different event formats that are available to organizers now, you know, obviously in person experiences, but also all of the opportunities and technology that enables people to make those connections even beyond what, you know, we used to do a few years ago with just doing in-person events. Right. And so the last 10 years, we have seen so much change in the world of events and all of these experiences that you were talking about. How would you describe kind of the evolution you've seen? You've been out there on the front lines, you've been delivering these experiences, but how would you describe just this evolution over the last decade? Yeah, I mean, I think that technology has really stepped up over the last few years. And what's interesting is virtual events were certainly becoming a trend that was starting to pick up momentum slowly. And we were seeing, you know, different organizations making the decision to do their summit or conference online, but it was a little more few and far between. And I do remember when I led um, a field marketing and events team, we were deciding whether or not it made sense because a couple of other B2B brands had made the decision to do a virtual summit. And I remember we, were, we weren't quite ready for it. We weren't sure that, um, you know, it was something that people would want to attend. It's different than when you do something in person. And um, we were a little bit hesitant. And then obviously within the last couple of years, everything completely changed and events will no longer be the same. It's really interesting seeing, um, you know, just how, how much dig- digital events are here to stay. And, um, you know, we're coming back to having in-person experiences now. It's a really interesting place to be in, though, because we're not returning to what events look like in our pre-pandemic past. And because of the need for a different type of experience that people have been creating and you know, having that medium and that vehicle be online, we've just seen a lot of technology really step up. And there's been a lot of evolution in the, you know, the offerings and the, the choices that event organizers have in terms of um, you know, what, what platforms they can use, what integrations they can employ, all of the different tools and um, you know, options that event organizers have to create a really great experience. It's, it's really stepped up over the last few years. Yeah, and it could probably be a little bit overwhelming too because you've got so many different choices. So the need to really go and do your research, really evaluate uh, this wide range and ever-growing list of technology options, probably that's a whole new element into the whole event planning, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really interesting because there's a lot of companies and platforms and technologies that came up as more of like a reaction to the pandemic. You know, there's a need for this. Let's solve it. Let's create something that suits the needs that are out there. There were also a lot of companies that pivoted and changed their course of direction because they wanted to suit the demand and the needs of this new way of, of doing things. What's interesting about Hopin that I find so fascinating is Johnny Bouverat, who's our CEO and founder, he started the company in 2019, right before the pandemic. 
And the intention was to create a platform that made it really um, easy for event organizers to bring people together in a really authentic way, as similar to being in person as possible. And, um, you know, it, it was just obviously a really, like, acute product market fit because when, you know, when everything in 2020 happened, Hopin had, you know, built something and really been intentional about creating something that would um, help create those meaningful connections. And we say, we say our mission is to make the world feel closer. And um, it is really cool to see all of the amazing things that our customers are doing to bring people together in the most authentic ways possible when they have some sort of digital component with their events. Yeah, it just comes back to creating those meaningful relationships. And we're in this this very fluid state. Uh, you mentioned the transition. We're starting to see more of the in-person come back a little bit, but not like it was before. But as you look at all of these different experiences that you're, you're working on and in planning or looking at other companies that are out there trying to do their best to execute on that, what are some of the common mistakes you've seen in, in their approach? Yeah. I mean, I think that when you think about virtual versus in-person versus hybrid, you really want to think about what type of event makes most sense for your audience and your community and the people that you're looking to connect and engage with. And I think that sometimes it makes sense to do a digital event. We actually, um, there's there's a lot of our customers are actually finding that certain events of theirs as a part of you know the different types of experiences they put together are going to remain digital from here on out because of the value and the ROI and the impact that they've made. But um, people talk about hybrid a lot and what it's, you know, the, the notion of putting together two experiences happening many, many times simultaneously that are two, two completely different audiences, the people that are in person and the person, the people that are online. Hybrid doesn't always make sense for everyone, though. I mean, we're actually in the middle right now this week of a roadshow where we're going to 10 cities in person for an in-person event that is a follow-on series of events um, after a digital event that we did that had a global audience of thousands of people. And these events have probably about 50 people that join us. Um, and a couple of people have asked, you know, oh, well, why did you decide to not make it hybrid? And not everything has to be hybrid. It really depends on you know, what your goals are. And, you know, you don't need to make something hybrid just because you think that that's important to do. You really want to think through and consider, is this an event experience where we should make it hybrid? And what additional bandwidth and resources and budget are we going to need to, you know, make sure that we allocate for in order to do it right? Because hybrid's hard. Hybrid's not easy. I think that, you know, digital's definitely here to stay, but now you have so many options in terms of, you know, how you want to engage with your audience. And you really want to think through based off of your goals. Um, what makes most sense. Because hybrid now, it's a lot different than it was a few years ago. The term hybrid could have just meant having an event and live streaming it. But now hybrid is engaging with your audience that's online in a really interesting way, similar to how you would engage in person, but in a totally different set of tactics. And it's it's there's a lot of a lot of really interesting things that event organizers can do. But I think the most the most important step is to really take a step back and think about, you know, based off of whatever experience you're creating, what makes most sense based off of your goals. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And I, I know with hybrid too, you mentioned that level of effort. And I, I think the analogy would be, we, we hear the, the adage one plus one isn't two, it can be three, but this is like in the level of complexity. It probably is that, right? To put these on, it's not just, well, well, it's just a little bit more work. This is like a significant 
amount more of work to really do it well, not just do it, but do it and have exceptional results, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, it's interesting because since I lead our demand gen team that does all of our events, both um, our field marketing events and then also conferences and trade shows that we sponsor, we um, see a lot of really interesting um, stories from our customers that use our platform. But my team is also a customer of our platform because we use Hopin for all of our events. And something that I think is just um, interesting, both from the perspective of us hosting our own true hybrid event last July. Um, as well as the things that I'm hearing from all of our customers that are all trying simultaneously to navigate what hybrid is and what that looks like and translates for their organizations. But something that is is definitely standard across all stories that I've been hearing in personal experience is um, when you think about a hybrid event, you really are planning two completely separate events and you have to have the team, um, you know, just in terms of like the staff and the support mm-hmm. and the bandwidth to support those two separate audiences. And when we did our event in July, um, I was part of the team that was responsible for the online audience. So thousands of people joined us online. We had about 50 that were gathered in Los Angeles. And, you know, when you are thinking about the, the people that are there in person, you know, there's obviously the food and the venue and all of those types of things. But also, when you think about the people that are there in person, you think about things like signage. So uh-huh. when someone arrives, you know, how do they know where to go for check-in and how do they know where to find the restroom and to know where to go when, um, you know, it's time for the networking break. You think through signage in person. And then that's something that, you know, strange enough, translates online too. You have to think about signage and we call it wayfinding um, when someone's joining you virtually. So they know if there's a break in the program and everyone's encouraged to go to networking to meet each other in that area, you want to make sure that the stage has a sign, you know, in the form of a video or a graphic that, you know, lets people know, hey, now it's time for the networking portion. This is where we're going to go, you know, and make sure that that's very clear. Because just like at an in-person event, someone could get lost or they could be looking around and not um, super clear on where to go next if you don't make it very, very apparent. And so it's it's a, a simple thing, but signage for an online event is something that I think is really important. Um, and just kind of one example of so many of two th- considerations that you have for your event attendees and their experience, but totally different ways of implementing it. And, you know, that really requires a lot of thought from two totally separate um, groups. And another thing that that we always make sure we have the appropriate staffing for Um, when it comes to the online experience is monitoring the chat and answering people's questions and making sure that, um, you know, you have a number of people that can be there if people get lost or need help, or maybe they used a browser that wasn't suggested and, you know, they, they need to refresh their screen in order to see the stream. There's a lot of, you know, specifics that you want to make sure the team is, is ready to help guests with, um, online versus, you know, whatever's happening in person. Yeah, with so many real-time moving parts, it really is around high precision in the execution. And so as a leader and a builder of events teams, Brianna, what kind of new or emerging skill sets are you now having to look for given just some of the changing requirements and all the new technology that's coming into play? Yeah, I think that a lot of event organizers over the past couple of years have gained a lot of new skill sets, which is just so interesting. Um, I was talking to one of our customers the other day who was saying that prior to the pandemic, she had no idea what RMTP meant. <laughs> and, um, 
And I think that the, you know, the, the understanding that people who run events now have when it comes to streaming and having your broadcast and um, thinking through the impact of video and how video can play into the experience that you're creating and like why it's important. There's a lot of really interesting kind of production related skills that I think people are gaining. And I do think it's important to, to when you think through your um, team and the people that you know you have in your marketing organization, having someone that's a little more technical is something, a choice that a lot of businesses are making. I also am really impressed with certain technology making production level quality experiences accessible to people that maybe don't have a production background specifically. Um, one of the acquisitions that Hopin had in early 2021 that we were so excited about and continue to be so excited about because it's one of our favorite products that we now offer as a part of a full suite um, of offerings is StreamYard. And it's a live streaming platform. And there's some people that use StreamYard and don't really have a use for Hopin because they're not actually hosting events. They're just doing live streams and, and streaming to their social channels through StreamYard. But um, a lot of event organizers, even prior to the acquisition, were using both. They were using Hopin and StreamYard was the streaming platform that they chose for streaming onto the stage for their experiences. And now it's a part of Hopin. It's part of the native platform. It makes it really, really easy when you're creating an online event or a hybrid event to have a quality, branded, beautiful broadcast. And you it's very easy. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that I, I, I love because my, my background is definitely not in production or AV or anything on the technical side, but myself and my team can, you know, run our webinar programs, our big summit events. Um, we can use StreamYard easily. And it's just, it's cool to see all of the, um, you know, this is just one example of a lot of technology that helps event organizers do this, but to be able to see the branded experience that you put together and all of the little features that kind of make the event really pop. So one thing that you can do with StreamYard and Hopin is when you have a great event and the energy is really there, people are firing up in the chat saying really great things about the speaker or the DJ entertainment or whatever it is, um, you can pull the comments onto the stream through StreamYard directly from Hopin. And what I love about that is not only does it kind of recognize certain comments in the chat and, you know, have that at the you know forefront of your event experience pulled onto the screen, but then if someone's watching the recording after the fact because they wanted to revisit the content or, you know, maybe they weren't able to make it and they want to check out what had happened, you really feel like you're a part of the event experience when you see the commentary that comes through in the chat as a part of the recording. And I think that that's a really cool way to, to engage with your audience and make sure that everyone kind of feels like it's an actual event, not just, you know, watching something on demand. Yeah. And being able to create that sense of excitement, even post-event, if you're actually have recorded that and then you're providing that later. So you're creating the in the moment feeling, but even after the event. So it extends the shelf life of yes. that experience. That is incredible. And that relates to a common question that I know, Brianna, you have been asked time and time again, which is around ROI for investing in uh, events and events experiences. What do you think are the keys to being able to have that conversation and be able to show an ROI around an investment for these kinds of experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
ROI is something that our team certainly obsesses about at Hopin on the demand gen side. We want to make sure any experience that we're put, putting together drives business impact and we're able to point to it. And something that you, you mentioned extending the shelf life, something that I think is just so important is to really take into consideration the same way you would pre-event with your promotion and all of the things that you're doing to engage with your audience to make sure they show up and you get the right people registered. You also get the right people you know, in the room, even if in the room is through your online event. Um, in the event, the way that you engage with your audience is also super important. But post-event is something that we talk a lot about at Hopin because we want to make sure that we also have a product and a platform that serves event organizers to make it easy to engage and follow up in a timely manner, You know, see, see all of the results and be able to use all of the great content that was put together at your event after the fact. And under that category of the different types of products that we offer and the features that we have in our platform, um, for the, on the post event side, we have a new feature that I'm, I know my team is particularly obsessed with because it just makes follow up so much easier. I think that a lot of event organizers can probably feel the pain point that my team has certainly experienced where you have a great event and you're so glad it went well. And it took, you know, all of this effort and energy and enthusiasm, but you got there and it, you know, was an awesome experience. And then immediately after, like two minutes after, you start getting emails of people saying, hey, when am I going to be able to get the recordings? And um, yeah. it almost becomes this bottleneck. And you know, you're, you're thinking, oh, I want to get this in everyone's hands as soon as you know possible. But maybe you have to download the recording onto your computer and then upload it onto whatever platform you're hosting it on. Um, there might be some sort of editing that needs to happen in order to get it ready. And We've definitely found that when when anyone else on the team is you know handling that for us, it does kind of create a bottleneck. And we have a new uh, product called Hopin Replay. And in Hopin, your recordings will show up immediately after your event concludes. And then from there, you go in the replay area. You can trim down your recordings. So you know, maybe in the very beginning, the panelists were kind of, you know, waiting for everyone to get there. Or, you know, if there's any sort of chatter at the end that you want to trim down, you can trim down your video for any of the pieces of content that you have. If you have multiple sessions or panels or fireside chats, you can trim them down. Um, you can, you know, add any sort of copy that explains who the speakers are or any sort of level of detail that you want to include in the description. And then you can publish it right away in the replay section on your Hopin page. And so, immediately we can follow up with the people that were able to join us, the people that weren't able to make it after all with a, you know, hey, thanks for coming or sorry, we missed you email with that recording immediately. And I know that that's really helpful because, you know, while you have that momentum and people are excited about the event, they're talking about it with their colleagues, you're able to get that recording in their hands as soon as possible in order to um, kind of start that follow-up cadence that you have. And then um, we always use both the follow-up emails that have the recordings immediately after an event. We also, you know, make sure to take some of the content and remix it into copy that our um, SDR team will send in the follow-up sequence that they have. But we want, we really want to make sure that our team personalizes any sort of follow-up and make sure that um, we really encourage the team to take advantage of the really great content that we can follow up with, whether, you know, in addition to the recording, if there's a white paper or a blog post or something that's related to um, what the event was about and the topic at hand, we usually, you know, we try to empower our team with a few different things that they can, um, they can move forward in their communication, but definitely making sure that they personalize it as much as possible. And then we just track everything. And I think that 
Um, something that I think is so cool about the information and data that's available to you now as an event organizer that does an online experience, you can really get personal with your follow-up. So if someone um, you know, spends a lot of time in the expo hall at a couple booths, or, you know, they attend one session instead of another, or, you know, you see that they were really interested and engaged in the chat, you know, during a particular session. This is all data that you now have access to that you wouldn't have if you were, you know, hosting an in-person event. You don't know someone's movement. You don't know, um, you know, which which um, content was landing for them specifically because of engagement, you know, in, in online with like a chat or going to certain areas and how much time is spent. But you actually have all that data now with an online experience. And so that can be really helpful when it comes to following up in a really thoughtful way and engaging with, you know, your prospects or customers or people that you're, um, that are a part of your community and your audience in a way that makes most sense for them. Yeah, that's really powerful. You know, just from my own experience at going in and being part of events, there was nothing that was a bigger turnoff than getting that post-event communication that just looked like, felt like a generic common template uh, that had no element of really speaking to me. And I think what you're talking about is connecting in a more authentic way based on the actual interests and experience of that individual. And that's, that's powerful. Yep. Yeah. 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 And that's where, that's where you can really make even more of an impact because it's more relevant. It's, you know, it's, it's more strategic. And I think it's really important now that we have access to all of this data that we use that and use that to inform the way that we communicate. Absolutely. Well, you're working in a business right now that is going through hyper growth. And as a leader in the Hopin organization, Brianna, can you share a little bit more about what does that feel like to be in this hyper growth environment and what does exceptional leadership mean in that kind of an environment? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I've I've been in a lot of, you know, growth, hyper growth startups, companies that have experienced tremendous growth, nothing like this. <laughs> this is definitely Hoppin's definitely been um the the fastest growing company that I, I there's a few accolades. I think it's the fastest growing company in the world at one point um, that we received or, um, you know, definitely quite a few lists on fastest growing startups in Europe. And it's it's been a really exciting time. And I think that, you know, we're all very motivated and excited about what we're doing and excited about the impact that we're able to have by continuing to evolve our product to best fit the needs of our customers. It's also really challenging. And something that I think is really interesting is, um, a lot of companies are fully remote now and Hopin has always been remote and will always be remote. And we have a completely distributed team that's across 42 countries. I think that that's so cool because we have this global representation that I've never experienced before. And, um, you know, we communicate very heavily on Slack and, um, we have a lot of, um, I think, you know, interesting ways of conducting business that makes sense for us being so distributed. Um, and I, one example is actually our, our weekly meeting that we have uh, every Friday morning. For me, being on the West Coast, it's a 7 a.m. meeting for um, you know people that are in Europe. It might be like a 4 p.m. meeting. <laughs> um, but I look forward to it every week because you know we have a really a really special internal events team that puts together really great experiences and truly events once a week that really make everyone feel connected to what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I think that that's really important. Um, 
but it, it is, there are a lot of challenges. And I think, I mean, for me, you mentioned I was the third person that was on the marketing team when I joined in October of 2020. Now we have over 40 people that are on the marketing team. And I think that with the speed of our growth, there was a, you know, a lot of growing pains that came with that because we had all these new team members that were starting, but cross-functionally, there were people in other departments that didn't know that we had new team members. And so everyone's kind of trying to figure out what everyone's doing because we just had so many new hires. <laughs> Um, but we've, we've definitely, um, been taking more of a breath now to kind of settle into our roles. And, um, I think that, that, you know, because of the hyper growth that we had for, you know, a certain number of months where it was really, really fast. Now we're at a place where we have a really great team and we're settling in and we're really focused on continuing to improve efficiencies and, you know, really figuring out how to operate best. And I, I've just, I'm so excited about the leadership that we've brought on um, to the Hoppin team to help, um, you know, guide us in the right direction. And I think that it's just, there's a lot of opportunity that's still ahead of us. And we had, you know, a certain period of time where we were keeping up with the demand because there was so much of it. And that's kind of ebbed and flowed just based off of, you know, everything happening in the world. But something that's really cool about what we offer now is we're so much more than just virtual events, which is kind of virtual events is something that Hopin um, became synonymous with at one point in time. And now we offer hybrid solutions. We do in-person events. The acquisition that we had in um, July of 2021 was a company called Boomset. And that's now part of the native Hopin onsite experience. And what's been so cool about this roadshow that I mentioned that we're on right now is we're able to show that technology and show the new things that we can do to make attendee check-in and uh, badge printing and lead retrieval and our our hybrid mobile app make all of that really seamless and easy and um, you know kind of a, a really great additional um, you know component of your in person or hybrid experiences and it's really cool to see all of that um, and our you know our product our product and technology continues to evolve every single day we had a couple product features that we had given feedback that would be important for attendee check-in to our team. And then two days later at the next event, this was between our Toronto and Chicago events last week, we saw that change. <laughs> so that was just so cool to see it real time. I was like, oh, wow, like our product team um, and our engineering team is doing really, really exciting stuff. And we're able to see it real time as users of our product. Yeah. Well, with all those acquisitions too, you're bringing new people in, coming in. And so maintaining that alignment around culture you know, uh, also becomes uh, a common opportunity for companies that are growing like that too. So you're probably right in the midst of that as well. Yeah. We talk a lot about company culture. It's so important for us to maintain the culture that we have. And I, I've i been at quite a few companies that have a certain set of values that are communicated and um, mentioned here and there. But I, I feel like the Hopin values are truly threaded into our employee experience. And I think that that's really important and that's really cool. And we, um, in addition to the weekly meetings that we have every Friday morning at, at 7 a.m. my time that I, for some reason, look forward to every week, <laughs> we also have quarterly meetings where the, it was two weeks ago, we had our quarterly main stage event is what we call it. And it's a three-hour event. It's kind of like a, a weekly all hands, but amplified. And it was Back to the Future themed, which is my favorite movie <laughs> um, and musical. There's a musical in London. Um, and it was just a fun, a fun themed, you know, gathering of everyone where not only did we share exciting updates from the team, but we were able to connect with others in the organization that maybe we don't get as much FaceTime with. And 
I think that anytime our company comes together, it's just such a special um, opportunity to continue to maintain and um, prioritize keeping that culture. And um, now that we're in a place where we're able to safely gather in person, we're also doing, we call them hop and hangouts once a quarter in each local area. If there's, you know, a certain number of people that live in your city. So for me, it's in San Francisco. Um, but there's, you know, there's people, we have hop and ears that are all over the world. When you're in 42 countries, it's really, it really is distributed, but, um, it's, it's cool to see people gathering in person too, and getting that FaceTime. And I think that that is really something that helps us make remote work work because we really love and appreciate working with our colleagues every single day and the efficiency that comes with doing it um, in a distributed way. And, you know, the flexibility is, is amazing. You could be, you know, traveling to visit family, but being just as productive with your work week because, you know, we're all, we're all remote. But I think the meeting in person is something that, that is really important, at least for me. And I know quite a few of my colleagues have voiced this too, because, um, you know, it's nice to have that personal relationship and have that face-to-face opportunity. Yeah. Employee engagement and transparency. Love it. So shifting over to something a bit more personal for you, Brianna, what is the best piece of business advice that you have received that's made a real difference for you in your own career? Yeah, I've I've had a few really great mentors that I've had the um, you know the opportunity to work with and been so thankful for that. I think that one one piece of advice that I had been given that I think was really kind of helpful, and I always kind of think of it. Um, when I conduct, you know, day-to-day, day-to-day communication with different people that are on different teams, especially cross-functionally. And it's just, you know, really thinking through um, optics and the way that you're presenting yourselves to other teams and just making sure that you're championing, championing your, your team and the results that your team is driving. I think that especially with, you know, talking about remote teams and distributed teams, I think that sometimes people don't um, champion themselves enough. And I think for me, whenever I think of the success that my team drives and the people on my team that are doing such great work, I always try to make sure that, you know, we think through, you know, what their, um, what their FaceTime looks like with certain other parts of the org that, you know, might find a lot of value in knowing what my team's working on and, you know, how it can impact their side of the business. So, um, for example, someone on my team is giving a, a presentation today at our customer success, our biweekly customer success org meeting, which is a global meeting with all of our customer success managers. And she's going to present on you know some of the cool things that she's been working on over the past quarter, but also how it impacts the work that they do with their customers and all of the really great opportunities we have to work together. And so something that I've I now think about you know quite frequently is you know, what, what opportunities does my team have to give a quick update at the company meeting? Or, um, you know, how can we make sure that we're highlighting what so-and-so is doing in this region? Because, you know, they haven't gotten a lot of face time with, you know, the certain leadership. And I know that that would be a really great opportunity to help show, you know, how they're shining. And I always try to champion my team and make sure that they know, um, you know, it, it is important to make sure that we highlight all of the really awesome things that you're doing just so there's visibility. And I think a lot of times with remote work, um, you're so busy with your, you know, your tasks at hand and being head down and getting things done. But I think it's important to celebrate that and make sure that people are able to see the great work that you're doing. And it, that really just helps with collaboration overall. Yeah. What a lift that is when the team members know that the leader has their back and is really out there as a proactive advocate, right? Not just a a manager, but someone who's really out there 
in more of a servant capacity, removing obstacles, but also championing them. So that is huge. And so we've talked a lot about the evolution, what's going on in terms of event experiences over the past several years. But Brianna, when you look to the future, when you're looking ahead, what makes you optimistic? I I think that it's just, it's really, really cool to see all of the creative things that people are doing with this technology that we now have. And um, I think that for us, it's just always really inspiring to see our customers engage with their communities in an authentic, amazing way with the technology that either we provide or integrate with, or, you know, are able to serve them with. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm really optimistic at the further impact events can have now. And events have always been something that have been a part of business strategies. They've been, you know, a really direct line for B2B businesses to connect with their audience and the communities that they're a part of as a part of a very non-linear buying journey that can be pretty fragmented. I mean, you know, customers are making, people are making buying decisions based off of so many different inputs. And there's so many ways that um, buyers are finding out about companies and taking, you know, various things into account. Maybe there's multiple decision makers that are a part of that choice, but events are just such a, such a great way to connect with your community. And I think that now that events have completely changed and there's a lot more opportunity to connect with people in a much more accessible way. I mean, the global accessibility alone of having an online event where thousands of people can join you from all over the world that's very different than the event that, you know, we're hosting tomorrow in New York City for 50 people. Um, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to see the impact and, you know, to hear from, you know, one of our customers, The Atlantic, they have this annual event called The Atlantic Festival. And we have a case study on our website that talks about their story of the first time they did it online. And, you know, the impact they were able to drive by having thousands of people join them versus the in-person experience that they had done prior. Um, and now they're going to be doing a hybrid event. I just think it's so cool to see the further impact events can have on marketing teams and businesses now that we have so much more opportunity available to us with the digital side of things. It's so many possibilities. You're getting me excited just just listening to you talk about <laughs> that. So as we start wrapping up our conversation, Brianna, do you have any other final advice for business leaders that are looking to gain competitive advantage in how they approach their event strategy and execution? Yeah, I think I think one piece of advice would be to really think through engagement. Engagement is something that we talk about a lot at Hopin, both with our internal events that we do with our weekly meetings and our quarterly main stage. It's also something that our customers think about when they're planning their own conferences, summits, um, even even webinar programs. Engagement is something that I just think is so critical to the experiences that you put together when you're doing something online. It's very different than how you engage in person, but similar in a lot of ways, because you want to think about the opportunity for guests to network with each other now. This isn't something, the webinars of the past are, you know, meetings where you would listen to a speaker and maybe there was a chat and a poll function, but now the chat is at the forefront of the event experience. And you know when content is landing, when you see the chat fire up and people, you know, upvote comments or questions and, you know, people are posting maybe GIFs in the chat. And it's just, it's really interesting seeing um, the way that technology is now positioned, all of the cool things you can do with engagement beyond just a chat or poll. And I think that, um, you know, overlooking that opportunity that exists to engage with your community in an even cooler way, 
um, is a miss for, for event um, executors and, and people that are thinking through their strategy. There's a lot of, um, we have a lot of integrations actually in our app store with over 40 companies that we integrate with that go beyond what we can just do with the Hopin platform, but they can do, you know, human captioning or translations. We had an event um, recently where we had everything translated into five languages through our partner Kudo. And we had a live captioning. We have native closed captioning within our product that's available to anyone that uses Hopin. But we also have the opportunity to connect with a company, SyncWords, for example, that does live captioning to have it even be that much more accurate. Because accessibility is something that we always think about as being a consideration event organizers should take into account. So I think that really thinking through, you know, all of the tools and what you should have based off of your audience and how you're looking to connect with them, um, think through your event technology stack and what technology um, makes most sense for your experience to make it engaging, to make it collaborative, to make it accessible to the audience that you're that you're connecting with. There's just so much technology available out there. It's it's a miss not to look into it and really consider what makes most sense for you. Very timely advice. And Brianna, really appreciate you joining, sharing your journey and creating truly world-class event experiences and giving us all a better understanding of all of the technology and new capabilities uh, to really deliver more return on investment around our events. Thanks again. Thank you. And a reminder to please uh, continue to give us the gift of feedback. Uh, Let us know what you like about this podcast. You can go out and rate and review on all the major podcast platforms, including Spotify an Apple podcast. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.